I'm Agnes Kurtzels. I'm Whitney Winter. And my name is Claire Horning. You're listening to the Agnology Podcast. Welcome to Agnology. We have two special guests today. If you just want to introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Everett Ordain. I'm the director at the Multicultural Center here at Wayne State. Excuse me, the great Wayne State University. College, college, college. <laughs> And my name is Eddie Hernandez. I am the program coordinator over at the International and Multicultural Student Office. Eddie, do you just want to explain what you do in that position? Uh, simply put, my job is basically just to put on uh, fun and educational events for the campus and community. Do you have any coming up that we should know about? Me specifically, no. Our last program was, oh, yes, we do. On March 2030th, we will have a guest speaker, Jackie Martinez, come and talk about navigating higher ed. Okay, and you said March 30th? 30th, yes. Okay. And Everett, do you want to explain your job title? Um, well, uh, I am the director of the uh, Multicultural Center, and also the um, we also have international students. In so many words, it's basically my job to make sure our students find a, a full and enriching life uh, in a campus where they're the minority. I make sure that they have great communication with their instructors, and also um, just try to do fun and enriching things to help them uh, navigate their way through Wayne State, uh, learn more about themselves, uh, our culture, and help them find a way to make it more bearable. Because when you're the minority, uh, it, it's difficult to find fun things to do when people don't understand sometimes your culture, your your religion, and things that you normally would like to do. Especially like, I'm very excited that the cafeteria always has like a different food dish that our students just love. Like when they have a special dish that comes from their country, it's, it's amazing to them. And I'm, I'm very proud of uh, Chartwell for showing a little diversity, even though it's out of their, their wheelhouse, but it, it makes them feel very welcome. And I know you have a international dinner coming up. You want to speak upon that? Well, our international students, our international club is putting it on, but I will speak about it. Um, from what I've researched and what people have told me, um, this was a really huge event in this area for this campus. People came from all over, from <clears throat> Norfolk, um, Sioux City, um, smaller towns, even Columbus and uh, areas surrounding that it was one of those events where it was people from that were in Nebraska could taste foods from all over the country. And it always also raised money for the um, International Club. And it was when I saw pictures, it looked like a little small concert. So it was before COVID, it was a really big thing. So I, I told my students like, hey, you all for the next this year and, and next year, it may not be as big because when people don't have a gap in between something that's really huge, they're not really kind a little reluctant to come back so it may be a little smaller this year but we plan to build it back up to the way it was because it's huge for our campus and the reason I say it's huge people that normally would not think about coming to Wayne that's a part of our community it's something they like and enjoy this can bring uh, extra dollars in people to shed light on some of our programs and some of our faculty and staff so I think it's going to be pretty awesome thank you and we've spoken before and you said you're from Mississippi right the great state of Mississippi (laughs) (laughs) do you just want to explain what it was like growing up there oh god Gosh, um, it was so normal to me. Um, I grew up, well, my house was right next to a farm that my granddad owned. And it was one of those things where you just, it was such a norm because everybody did something with us. It was kind of a physical attribute to either a farm, uh, land, soybean. It was something that every student did at our high school. We never even thought about it anymore. I think, I don't know what time we woke up. Because I know back in the days, just your body woke up. And it was like, you, you <laughs> 
you had to get the stalls fed. You had to get some things cleaned out. Um, you had to make sure like one of the calves hadn't ran off because <clears throat> they fit in between some of the the, the the well areas. And they once they found a way to get through some of the trappings, they made it a, a common goal to get out and get some freedom. So like before five o'clock, we probably did what most people did in the whole day. And uh, we better not miss that bus. I mean, you better run after it, but you better not miss it. It taught you a strong work ethic, and going to bed like at 8 o'clock was nothing. Like, I pretty much got up, me and my sister, when my sister got old enough, uh, we went tended to the, the livestock, and we went to school, football practice. At the football practice, you came home. Uh, a nice hot meal was there. My mother was actually a nurse, but she was very traditional. Okay. When we got home, there was always food. If there wasn't food, that means she, you know, she had to work late. You knew to take care, get something out of the refrigerator, and make it. I always tell people I'd never had a hot dog or Bologna. They were like, how do you never have hot dogs in Bologna? But my mom always was like, that's not it's not a good food to eat. So she would never let's eat it because she was a nurse. But um, I think growing up in Mississippi was great. Uh, we didn't have snow. When it was a threat of snow or even a flurry, we didn't come out of our house and we didn't go to work. So it's a big change coming here when it's negative 30 or negative 20 and it's snowing and people are like, yeah, I'm just going to get up and get my day started. <laughs> so it's, it's a big change for me. But it teaches you a lot of work ethic. And you really respect farm and ranchers a lot more when you've seen both sides of the spectrum. A lot of people just realize you go into a grocery store and you get what you need, but somebody had to grow it, somebody had to get a loan to take care of the farm equipment, and the way that farm equipment is going these days and how much it's costing and a lot of farms are not even zeroing out they're going into the negative because you get one piece of equipment it's $350,000 and it's like where am I get that from? You have one or two bad harvests put you under if you're a small farm. Uh, I've learned that cattle is really big here beef is really big here and uh, one thing I will say you all know how to do a steak around here I will give you that. <laughs> May not be much seafood but a good slab of steak hey Midwest you all tops tops. <laughs> so what's the biggest change coming from Mississippi and now living in Nebraska like culturally or just like generally? Um, culturally, it's just you don't see a lot of people that look like me. Um, being my father, being from Nigeria, my mother, she always says she's a Southern Belle from Mississippi, so I always say it too. She's a Southern Belle from Mississippi. Uh, you don't see a whole lot of people that look like me and understand culture and things of that sort. Now, I've noticed that um, the music, everyone has taken a uh, liking to a lot of rap and, rap and R&B music, um, beats and things of that sort, which, you know, it, it can pull you together some kind of way. But it is, you don't have a whole group of people that look like you, understand your background, um, your culture, where you come from. It, it's kind of hard sometimes when you have a tr- like trying moments. Uh, you have no one to talk to, nobody to kind of vent to. Just, just think about the circle of people that you hang around every day. You have a bad day or something doesn't go right or someone thoroughly upsets you or, you know, you did something go as you planned. You have someone to call, talk to, you know, sit around their house, their room, uh, go get some coffee with. Don't really get that when you are a person of color in this part of Nebraska. So you try your best to find your, your niche and your group. But me being a, a little older, lived life, been through college, it's a lot harder. Um, finding someone that you can kind of connect to. Where I'm so grateful I have CD here because sometimes when I have a bad day, I march up to his office like some students do, and uh, you know we'll talk about it and kind of it, it kind of calms the soul and you can kind of get back to your day to day living. Because my personal motto, which came from uh, my doctor's program at Mississippi State University, um, my one of my one of our counselors and advisors was like, you know, I want you to have one motto for what you want to do in higher education. Uh, my doctor's degree is in college leadership and workforce development, and I'm I'm thinking that's the that's gotta be the 
dumbest thing ever. Why would you have a motto for yourself? And, you know, I thought of one, and I'm like, oh, that's a good one. And mine is educating minds and changing lives. I feel like if I'm not educating someone around me helping change their life, I'm not doing my job. And um, when I'm having a hard time trying to decide something or do something, I'm always like, okay, am I educating somebody or am I help changing their life? That pulls me back into, okay, let's just focus on this because this gets me to where that motto says that I should be doing. That's kind of interesting because it kind of, that kind of really goes along with like our motto for the podcast is we kind of talk about education and advocation. So that's kind of, we're trying to educate people and kind of change lives and maybe get people interested in agriculture or at least learn about the basics of it, if nothing else. So So you're saying that I have to trademark that before you get it? Yeah, you you definitely should. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's along the lines of how you came up with our name. That's true. So I came up with the actual name of Acknowledge because it's kind of a double meaning. Uh, so like we're acknowledging the people that are doing the work and out in the field, but we're also kind of giving Acknowledge to people. So So is anybody an Ag major? Or? All three of us actually are. And I think so, there's... Agnes is actually animal science associate. Large animal or small animal? Well, so... I went to Northeast Community College before I transferred here, and my actual degree is, it's its super long. It's uh, an Associates of Applied Science in Agriculture with concentrations in animal science. That's awesome. So most of what we did was large animal because for small animal, you would have been more in like the vet tech program. Correct. And I thought about going that way, but I grew up on farm with large animals, so right. I was more comfortable with large animals. And then I heard about the program here and... I had a passion for talking about agriculture way back in high school and heard about this pro- the degree program here and it clicked that I needed to come here and get this degree. So I've met, I've met quite a few um, young ladies, I don't know if she called them young ladies or women, in the, in the, in the field of um, dealing with large animals. And I think it's the attention to detail that those young ladies like pay to the animals. They could tell you like... We, we're, I was talking to a young lady, I think it was in, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the first time, second time I went to Wyoming. And I saw, I, I pulled over to take some pictures and she thought maybe my car was broken down. She pulled through the, uh, I think it was, I think it was a pasture. She pulled through the pasture. She was in a brown F-250. She was like, hey, you know, you okay? And I'm looking to myself, I'm like, I'm a big African-American dude in the middle of Wyoming. And she's like, Is, am I being punked right now? <laughs> but um, we talked for like 20 minutes on the side of the road, what she did. And she was like, yeah, my office is out here and out here. I'm kind of using my Mississippi, you know, verbiage. So here, but here. And um, she was like, "Would you like to see it?" I'm like, "Yeah, I would." So she had her, her she had a front seat on. The, she had a driver's side. Then she had her passenger seat moved all the way up. There was like a folding table with her laptop on it. She had like some medical supplies for the animals in the door. And his, this whole side of the cab was nothing but medical stuff. She showed me the things in the back. Sometimes she had to shave the hooves of the animals. I said, yeah. "I remember we hired a guy to come and do that." And she's like, "Sometimes you just can't wait." because it's a uh, digital dermatitis will set in and you have to release pressure on the animals and um we, we talked for quite a while i said are is it is it is it a norm or is it kind of like taboo for a young lady to be in this she's like no like most ranchers want a want a female to do it because attention to detail we pay we don't just come in you tell us what it is solve the problem we look over the whole animal we look over multiple animals uh, most ranchers and farmers want, they want a female to do it i was like never knew that and um, i think i still have her information in my phone i've never never called but she was so nice but I learned a lot like the digital office thing I was like your office is in the truck that is so cool 
she said it's for her office. That's her nap time. She has a um a gas little stove in the back of the truck. It, it was amazing. She's like, you, you can be out here for up to nine, 10 hours a day, 11, 12. Um, if you have to see a certain amount of livestock, you don't stop because you can't come back out to this location twice. You can stay out here 10, 12 hours. I'm like, didn't know that. Because was to grow up on a farm, near well, on a farm and near a farm, you just kind of walk back through the path and you take care of it and you walk back home. So it was it was something interesting I learned. But uh, I think I got on internet the next day and I was just looking through. I'm like, wow, it, it is. They transform certain vehicles to be able to do this sometimes. So it was very amazing to watch that. And I think you, sh- I hope you do well in it because it's not only a great financial setup for your family, but it's very enriching. I just. <laughs> I have just something that I kind of thought of. So when you're talking about the international dinner and we're talking about education. So actually when I was little, we would have like around the world party. So like a lot of me and my parents and the neighborhood kids, we would like pick a country and then we would have food only from that country. And we had to try everything. And we kind of learned about different cultures and stuff. So that was fun for me because I think it kind of exposed me to some other stuff that I maybe wouldn't be able to. And even though I obviously didn't talk to someone from that culture, it was still good to kind of know what different people do and how they eat differently and that kind of thing. So I think education is really important, especially at kind of a young formative age, because then it's not, it's kind of stuck with you and not just something you have to kind of read teach yourself. I know we did something similar in uh, either middle school or elementary. We did something within our class and we were all given a country to research and from that at the end we did like a party and we would cook a dish that we had researched in the country that we were given and then everyone would try that just kind of like your around the world thing yeah we did that too and i just had my grandma make apple strudel (laughs) (laughs) and it was good Yeah, grand- grandmothers, um, grandmothers are amazing. Uh, my grandmother, the one thing that my um, my mom and some of her sisters, and if anybody listening, you may want to you know take take heed to this. Grandmothers know how to cook so much by by memory that when they pass along, you realize you have no idea what ingredients they put in certain things. Uh, and my mother and her sisters are trying to um, mimic some of the dishes my grandmother made and put it in a book. I think they have like they're trying to get like seven of them they can't get, but once they get it, they want to make a book of recipes my grandmother made, and they want to send to every grandchild, every great grandchild, mm-hmm. um, because her, her meals were legendary. It's like yeah. it was legendary. Like Sundays, you you didn't care what happened as long as you were at grandmother's house and you know eating. But um, for a lot of people listening, if you have grandmothers always cherish them because they have their wealth of knowledge to begin with. But you realize you have no idea what they're cooking or how they're cooking it because first of all, uh, women of that era do not want you in their kitchen. They don't want you <laughs> touching any. And they don't want you remixing their ingredients. So if, if you're listening and you have a grandmother that, that makes amazing meals, remember maybe ask her or let ask her unless you watch her do a couple of them so you can get an idea. Because once she's gone, that recipe may be gone with her. My grandma has us. Well, my mom and my aunt wanted to learn how to make kolaches, so we usually have days where we'll go up to grandma's house and like make kolaches. And my mom is getting so mad because she's kind of like the baker of our family, and so you have to like you do a certain hand move like with your thumb to get kolaches like perfectly round. And me and my brother were doing it really good, and she could not do it. So my grandma was, like, giving her a really hard time. She was getting so mad. <laughs> but, yeah, my grandma's so funny. We were making stuffed peppers one time, and I was like, how much of this should I put in? She's like, oh, just, just like, this much. And I was like, I 
don't know how much yeah. that is. Like, I need a measuring cup. No, you no, don't. You just don't. throw no, some don't. in there. It's like, like a pinch is not really a pinch. Yeah. You know, it's 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 amazing that they can do. That. I mean, like they can look at it and be like, no, maybe a little. I'm like, I'm just like, so is that a cup or a cup of that? Maybe <laughs> it's um some. I guess it went, especially when you get older. Well, you're so young. You all still young. As you get older, you have to substitute some of the things that make the recipes taste good because it's not good for you. <laughs> It doesn't taste the same, but if you can manage to eat small portions during Thanksgiving, you can still get it in. Yeah. Um, I kind of had a question to ask you all, like, what? And since I'm in the Midwest, I know, like, in the South, where I'm from, like, uh, catfish is is a a big harvest there. I shouldn't say harvest, but catfish, um, cotton, soybeans, corn. Like, what what are the major things around here? So a lot of, like, um, fishing-wise, it's going to be, like, bass and I think probably trout. I'm not a big fisher, so... (laughs) Don't I, really I know, love rainbow trout, but I heard that's up in the north. north yeah, yeah, you gotta go a bit that's farther amazing. north. Probably Minnesota would probably be the best. Oh, yeah, yes, it's amazing. Um, and then obviously we have corn. Anywhere you look, you can oh, see corn, corn and soybean everywhere. around here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, corn is everywhere around here. I, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. I know the and big one's beef, probably beef alfalfa. Alfalfa. Really? We mm-hmm. have a lot of alfalfa fields um, that have to be like they're very strict with weed control and everything because right. uh, they sell it to horse. Uh, horse breeders and everybody up here. Mm-hmm. So, and horses are very picky about their hay. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I got a funny story about that. Uh, I don't know if you remember, remember the drought in Texas. I think it was 2012. Or, yeah. It, I can't remember what year it was. Um, my mom, there was a, a, a guy that my mom, she literally met him at a, uh, I think it was Ag Equipment like uh, Expo. Yeah. Um, really cool guy. And uh, my mom is like me. I love sweet tea and there was no sweet tea. It's just so she bought a gallon of sweet tea from her house that she had in a cooler. And um, this guy was like, man, I would just be so elated if you could let me just get one cup of sweet tea. <laughs> that's how she That's how she met him. They sat down and talked, and uh, they became really good associates. And he had a very large ranch in um, outside of Dallas. I think it was, I can't remember the name, but it'll probably come to me before the end of this. And um, he always called my mother by her second middle name. And it was like, uh, he called, hey, it's Miss Ruthie. This is your mom. I said, I said, you call it my cell phone. Let me give you, you know, the house number. We said a house phone. And he was, uh, he, he called her. My mom said, hey, can you come down this weekend and help help some of the guys, you know, get some alfalfa? I'm like, I'm thinking myself for what? Who me? <laughs> you know, so she told me the story. I'm like, oh, okay, because it was a drought. They brought two goosenecks, I think it was every three days. Wow. The, the grass in our area grows fast. Yeah. By three days, it grows. Put it, put it in a bale, and they were taking it back to Texas because it was a drought. And the people that did have it, they were charging God godly amounts of money so the guys were on their third trip and my mom had to like you know be mom she's like you're not going you have been here you all been sleeping in the truck she she literally made them take their not take this it's not graphic you all (laughs) take their clothes off she washed their clothes she made them take a nap in our house in the bed they slept for like five hours my mom cooked them a full meal people from my small community loaded up all the bales strapped it down for them and when they got up my mom was like you all be safe but you cannot come back. They're coming back and forth, just yeah. unloading it, driving back to Mississippi from Texas, get more and drive back. Mm-hmm. And my mom had to make them stop. Like, you can't do this. I know one person drive, one person sleeping, but they literally hadn't showered. They've just been on the road because yeah. people don't understand when you lose one 
piece of livestock, that is a lot of money. You, yeah, that's a big it. investment. It is. That that, mm-hmm. um, especially, I think it was 2019 in March, so we're just coming up on the anniversary when there was a huge flood up here, and we had people from Texas bringing up hay and stuff because everyone had lost their hay bales because right. there was so much water. But just seeing, like, the farming community come together and, like, telling people, hey, I know you're trying, like, you're helping, and we love that, but you need also need to yeah. stop, take, take a break. Take care of yourself, yeah. too, yeah. the yeah. other yeah. Mom, thing. Mom had made them a full Sunday meal. Some people had brought them some stuff to take with them. Uh, those guys sent my mom a Christmas gift yeah. every single I was going to say, they year. probably appreciated every that year. so much. Yeah, every year they sent her Christmas something. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's always something. It's either a card with money, a gift card. My mother loves quilts. So, you know, they would send her, like, these uh, unusual patterns. Mm-hmm. One of the guys, older guy, he would, he would send her, like, a box of just, just like, hey, maybe you can use these patterns and quilts. And she does. Wow. Yeah. yeah. See, that's my kind of person. <laughs> sending quilt patterns. There's a, Have you ever been to the quilting museum in Lincoln? No. Yeah, there's a quilt museum. It's from, I think, SCC is kind of the sponsor of it. But actually, my great-grandma has a quilt that's in there. It's like something all the community ladies worked wow. on, and it's really big. So it's, yeah. it's in there. But it's pretty sweet. There's some cool stuff in that there. That is. Every every. September, October, I go home to Mississippi and set my mother's quilt room up. Pull all of the patterns out. She has an old school machine with the little four sides you screw in. Yep. I set it up for her. And, you know, I don't I don't want her going, even though I'm terrified of spiders, I don't want her going to the storage room pulling all this stuff out because I don't know what will get her, if she'll fall. Because she's old school. She's, she does not believe in being still. She cannot be <laughs> idle. She has to be doing yeah. something. So, yeah, I totally get that. I, I had a question. Did you all know those little quilts and patterns that everybody has on, the front, on top of the front mm-hmm. of the barn? One day I was just like, why do people have that? I thought it was like a secret society at one point. <laughs> and I was like, why does everybody have these little quilts on the front? It's dope. But, uh, it can be like the family patterns. patterns. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it's family patterns, but uh-huh. there is actually like a society that really? um, make these barn quilts. And you can actually go tour Nebraska and follow this huge map that they have to find these barn quilts. Okay. And I some people just like it because it looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, if, if you give me the website, I want Look at it. So I always wonder if I'm like it's some secret society. I want to find out one day, but that's cool. I, it's I not a check secret out. society. It's just a lesser known. Society. <laughs> oh Absolutely. my. Yeah, but my grandma sounds just the same. She cannot be idle. She loves to quilt, and so she used to have her quilting room just used to be the dining room, but now she's converted her basement into her quilting room. So there's one entire room of just fabric. Yeah, right. There's right. one where she has a part where she has a couple tables set up and her sewing machine and then her thread box and then she just got a quilting machine so that she doesn't have to go to her sister's and travel so she can quilt the tops right there in the basement once she's finished with the top and then so she can see it through from start to finish within a week if she oh, gotcha if she sets down and she knows the pattern or if she's just trying a new pattern and she just she loves it now she's so efficient i think right after she got it she did like three quilt tops in three days so a quilt top each day my grandma has a stockpile of baby quilt and she was like one of those is gonna be for you and i was like maybe (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you say that with so much doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Not anytime soon, I hope. <laughs> it, it will be a blessing. Just uh, enjoy your life first before you make that new life because you cannot go backwards. You can't put it back in. No. Did any of you all grow up on farms or near farms? I did. Yeah. I did as well. It was a, like a hobby farm, though. Okay. We didn't really... Uh, Live was, off of it. It, was, it, yeah. it wasn't really anything to like make a... We didn't do it for a profit. I'll put it that right. way. Like my my parents still had jobs off the farm, nine to five kind of thing. Right. But we still do a little bit on the farm. Yeah. The most interesting farm I've ever been on was an emu farm. Ooh. There was a lady in our town that she thought that was going to be the next big, th- and it was for a while. It mm-hmm. was pretty hot for a while. Um, she thought it was going to be the hottest thing, and it did for like six years. It was. She was making hand over fist, and she decided to sell it because she just people kept stealing them. Mm. Oh really? They, they would steal one. Oh, yeah. Who? Like, how do you be subtle about that? Yeah, you just, you just grab it, pull it over the fence. Like, what are you? Because yeah. they're noisy and they're loud. And um, she sold it. She sold the whole the whole setup to somebody. I think it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Louisville, Mississippi. And two years later, he probably regretted it because it kind of like just went splat. Yeah. <laughs> That's around here. That was the same with like llamas. Yeah. And yeah. alpacas. Like, it was yeah. a huge thing. And then all of a sudden, there was it yeah. was for nothing. Yeah. I have a llama and alpaca farm. <laughs> Seriously? Uh-huh. So we got into the scene in 2011, and we had our first three were rescues. Um, mm-hmm. A sanctuary had been shut down because they were neglecting them, so they were abused. And so we brought three in, and we have we still have one. Uh, the other two passed away at, with age, but then we got a couple more, and then we got into the alpacas, and so we used it for showing in 4-H mm-hmm. and uh, the alpaca scene. We are in a couple different associations, but we still have it just for hobby because we've all out aged all the programs that we were in uh my sisters are at the end of the month will be 19 23 and then i'm 21 so we're all aged out wow wow four eights you in four eights mm-hmm. oh. i was in four h and too. ffa and agnes was also in both and then claire was just an ffa member she didn't do much but i got I was there for the fun <laughs> you all had a lot of fun. I got my American degree, which is the highest you can get in the organization. And then Agnes got her state degree. Yep. Look at you, overachiever. <laughs> uh, I I didn't do I didn't do either one of those, but um, I did I did 4-H, I did forestry, and I did um, archery. And okay. I, I loved it, but my my father was like, I don't want you anything that's gonna be violent. But he let me play football, but I don't I don't, I don't get that one. But you know, but he, I had so much fun, like just traveling with 4-H. You meet so many people your age from all over the state you, you realize you have no matter what your socioeconomic background is um, you, you realize you're the same mm-hmm. you still want to have fun you enjoy outdoors you enjoy fishing hunting uh, you know it's not looked down upon like people that are in like mega cities it's, it's not looked like oh you live on a farm like it's fun mm-hmm. you know it's, it's a slower pace of life but it's fun you meet some of the most amazing people you have values that cannot be broken you know it, it goes either you lie I'm silly yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir kind of young man like uh, when I went to Norfolk I, kept, I kept saying yes ma'am to this lady she was saying something I said yes ma'am yes ma'am she said where are you from I said the great state of Mississippi she said I knew you wasn't from around here <laughs> 
Eddie, did you grow up on a farm? Oh, I did not. I was basically just a city kid living, <laughs> living in uh, Denver, Colorado. Okay. Did you know anything about agriculture growing up? A little bit because my parents, being from Mexico, grew up on, on farms, but they don't talk about it much. I don't know like mm-hmm. what they grew up, what kind of animals they raised. I just know that that's what they did, but they don't talk about it okay. a lot. Did they, did they talk a lot about a lot about like things that they did as children on near the farm or on the farm, or was it more of like a working situation? That you it was here. a working situation. They grew up in very rural Mexico, so it was a lot of uh, basically working poor folks trying to raise, I think, cows, maybe some, like, I'm going to say maybe beans of some sort or, like, corn, but okay. I don't think it was a uh, work-only kind of situation. Gotcha, okay. gotcha, gotcha. Well, they probably know a lot about uh, farming and li- just farming and livestock, but from your situation, it's probably what they were trying to get you out of the situation to make sure you had better. So, yeah, that's, you know more about it than you think, yeah. but they just <laughs> probably want you to do something else. That's cool, though. So have you learned anything so far about agriculture in just this short while? <laughs> yes. Yeah? Do you see yourself working in any particular ag-related, or what are you looking into for post-education? Uh, I have a master's in higher education, and I'm just hoping to just grow into it more. Okay. I feel like you have all eyes on me, but I don't know what to say about that moment. I'm kind of like the same as Eddie. I'm just trying to um, help as many students as I can. And uh, I would like to, I would really like to meet some of the ranchers and farmers around here, um, especially being a person of color, knowing a little bit about what they do and really respecting what they do. I'd love to talk to and just kind of meet with some of the farmers and ranchers outside of harvest season, of course, or planting season, just to kind of like see like how things differ and how things are the same. Um, I hope I'd be accepted just for me being a person instead of looking at color. But I'd love to meet because as I drive from here to Norfolk, I'm always seeing farms, I'm seeing the small families. I saw one house look almost exactly like my grandmother's, almost shed a tear. It was a small house. It looked like nobody lived in it anymore. There was a house beside it, and I just pulled over one day, and I'm just like, God, all the memories are flooding back, you know, sitting on the porch eating hot dogs in the morning. She would let you watch Sesame Street, Zoobly Zoo, and Reading Rainbow. After Reading Rainbow, you were outside the rest of the day. If you want something to drink, there was a water fountain out there, put your head up. That sounds like when I was growing up, I had a lot of cousins, so whenever my aunts and uncles would meet with my parents at their house, all of us cousins were sent outside because there were so many of us and we were so loud. So they're like, okay, you go outside or you go to the basement and be quiet and play with like board games or we played mafia because there were so many of us so we could but we usually ended up outside and we call it a junkyard it wasn't really a junkyard but it was like wood with a tarp over top and then a bunch of other stuff and so we'd always play with that and then like we couldn't go back inside unless it was supper time or dinner time and it's like oh i'm thirsty it's like well put your head under the hydrant Get a drink. I've learned up here supper is dinner, and like where I'm from, so if you say supper, you know that's after church on Sunday. Supper is after church on Sunday. That's supper. Here it's like supper is dinner. Because mm-hmm. yep. I, I had a friend up here, and she was like, yeah, why don't you come over for supper? I'm sitting on my couch watching TV. I'm thinking supper is Sunday. She's like, hey, you coming? I'm like, coming where? She's like, for <laughs> supper. Is that on Sunday? She's like, no, I'm inviting you over today. I'm like, but you said supper. <laughs> <laughs> so, But to us, supper is Sunday after church. That's between like 1 and 3. Depends on how long your pastor preaches, because I am Baptist. <laughs> and, um, you know, you, you could be there at 3 or 4 o'clock. <laughs> 
And I'm just sitting there watching TV, and she was like, I'm inviting you all you know, to have dinner with my family, and we're all sitting here for this getting cold. Like, I thought supper was on Sundays. <laughs> but uh, it's it's just, it's a difference, but all the same, meaning it's all food. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people up here have learned, uh, say, dinner is lunch, and then dinner is supper. Oh, that would not work in the So I'm just like, well, no, I'm going to go eat dinner, but it's at like 1 p.m. and supper, like 7 p.m. They're like, that's so wrong. And I'm just like, well, that's what I grew up with. Well, that's what, oh, that is the normal up here, but like with schools and stuff, it's always lunch mm-hmm. because it's a smaller meal. Right. So like lunch around here is like if you go to a luncheon, it, you're expecting sandwiches and maybe a right. side. But. See the schedule she just said that we call it, that's a heart, we call it harvest schedule. The, the time, <laughs> mm-hmm. the literally, times you just said mm-hmm. somebody said that oh you must be talking about harvest schedule harvest schedule is about what you just said like seven o'clock you eat and they eat before they like gas back up the equipment they lock everything up and they leave exactly where it is and somebody comes along picks them up and mm-hmm. you start the next day we call it harvest schedule what she just said our harvest schedule is whenever we're done making the meal and we bring it out to everyone is <laughs> you eat then it could be at, you know six o'clock it could be at eight o'clock right but like they're not gonna be disappointed because we we feed our guys good yeah we give them there's several times where we make like steak and potatoes for them. Hamburgers are always a staple during harvest. Sandwiches and then we always do molasses cookies. Oh yeah. So the guys that are in our crew, they're just like, I eat so much during harvest time. Don't tell my wife. (laughs) (laughs) And there's one, one of our main guys that rents some of our land. He's like, don't tell my wife I have these cookies. I'm going to leave them in the combine. Uh, Right. They're not going home. Don't tell Ashley. These are mine. They're like, it's okay. We gave Ashley and the girls some of their own. You're good, Scott. Yeah. Uh, A lot of the ladies that do the cooking for like some of the uh, people that did harvest, it was, uh, they made sure they brought the food out to them. So when they came home, they wouldn't bring all the dirt and dust inside. You kind of like do the the, the strip down that you go straight into the bathroom instead of you coming to the house fully, fully clothed with all the dust on you and eat. It's kind of interesting that because like nowadays especially like in cities like their houses are just built different like at my house you come straight into the laundry room from the garage right and then the bathroom's adjacent whereas like in other houses you'll have like the living room right away and like an entryway like that's gotta go in the back way so you don't track dirt through the house yeah yeah that's true like where like where i grew up it's like exactly what you said from the garage you go straight into the laundry room Mm -hmm. then the front door you come straight through the living room yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, we have a front door and then we have garage door you come in through the garage door if you're muddy or it went outside to work or whatever yeah that that that, that is interesting because i i see the new houses the way they're built you're right it's a front and a back door not a yeah that's true Mm -hmm. i thought about it like that Yeah. You don't really see the mudrooms anymore unless it's a new build on, like, a ranch. Well, their mudroom is different. It's, like, their mudroom has a laundry room, and then it's, like, a coat spot or shoe spot. And our mudroom is a laundry laundry room with With everything muddy. Yeah, you have to have the sink so you can soak everything. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And the power wash everything (laughs) off. Yeah. Because, like, the the new washing machines won't take it. The new washing machines won't take the mud anymore. No. And especially if you get the ones that don't have an agitator in the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know you could take those out anyway. I didn't know that. Like, (laughs) you can take any, because who reads the instructions? It works, it don't work. (laughs) (laughs) We we had a washer for just, I think it was, like, two months before mom was like, no, we're getting a different one. And it didn't have an agitator. And, Mom's like, it's not cleaning the clothes. And I'm right. Like, Everybody Man. had a GE 
where I was from. Mm-hmm. GE just worked. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else was like, if you didn't have a GE, you knew it wasn't going to last. Like, people literally had to throw the refrigerator away. It was still working. And they would take the, I think, it, I don't know what the thing calls on the back, the, that, that pumps the cold air. People would take that off and start using that as uh, the air thing for your car. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's it's what everybody did. Because, like, it just got to the point where the, um, the, I can't think, the lining in between that kept it cool would the start cool sweat. Yeah, it would start swelling. Oh. And the refrigerator wouldn't close anymore because yeah. they lasted so long. So they would just cut the compre- yeah, cut the compressor out, stick a, um, a hose on it, and start using it to air tires up on the three wheels and four wheelers. <laughs> it was like free air because in the country, you know, air is a real thing because you have to go 20 miles to a nearest store to get some air if you don't have something on, on, your, mm-hmm. on your land. We had air compressors, so we never worried about that. <sighs> we know we couldn't afford a compressor. We used that old school method of pull it off the refrigerator and it works. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do any traveling around up here? No. No? No cold weather states. <laughs> well, you um, said Wyoming. Well, I, it can I, be cold. No, it was, no, I was an adult when I went to Wyoming okay. at the time. I was, an, I was an adult. Like, when we were young, but my mother's and father's culture was so, it was the same and different. Like, as far as their, their values of raising children, it was amazing that my father could be from Africa and my mother is uh, from Mississippi and they're, the way they want to raise their children were exactly the same. I mean, that was something they never disagreed upon. Um, but my dad was like, I want you all well-traveled. And I remember the first trip we went on was to, unfortunately, okay, we went to Baltimore, Maryland. That was the most boring trip ever to get there. <laughs> We were in the back of a gray Volvo, like, oh my God, are we there yet? <laughs> and it was, because my dad, my, with my dad being a foreigner, Volvos were his thing. Everybody else had a Buick, a Chevy, a GMC, a Cadillac. My dad had a Volvo. <laughs> it was the only Volvo in my whole county. And when we took trips, we took the Volvo. And if we went to Baltimore, our, the first trip I can remember, we went to Disneyland a couple of times, or like, I don't know if it's Disney World, Disneyland, but Florida. Um, that was, I hated those trips to, to Disneyland. It was like the lines were just stupid long. Mm. It was like you didn't get a chance to enjoy anything. Mm-hmm. Like now they have the Epcot Center. It's fun, but we we did a lot of travel, a lot of international traveling. We visited my father's father had the only brewery in the northern part of Nigeria. Really? Yeah. We, we when we visited him, it was amazing to see, and the, the way they farmed over there was totally because it's it's hot and dry. So it's like only certain things grew. So you went to the market, and I love going to the market even today because I love how people barter. They are like, you know, it just it amazes me. It's like you go to the market, and it's like fast talking, people trying to get stuff for a lower price, and you know, it's like no, like you can't do it for that. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's just it's 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 amazing to watch to me. You know, you, you know you know you're gonna give it to them for that price, but I got to haggle you a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it's just amazing seeing that um, fish and spice. Spices were really, really a big thing when I went to the market over in Nigeria. But um, the, the, the fish and the the first time I had cow, I love cow's tongue. Y'all don't hate me. I thought it's it was. It's okay. I, my mom has made it a couple of times. Yeah, I... it's not bad. It's really not bad. You put it in a soup, not by itself. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing is my, my great uncle used to, we clean chickens, we butcher chickens. Yeah, we've done it. So um, we would always save him some feet. Some chicken feet, so yeah. <laughs> if usually the dogs got that where I was from, the chicken feet, if you didn't use them for anything, uh, it, it, it was it, it was just amazing to see the difference. Someone overseas, like because equipment was not as big as it is now. When I was younger, went over there, like if somebody had a small, like the local boat attractors, like we have here now, mm-hmm. somebody had one of those, they might as well have had a John Deere come by. <laughs> it was just like you, you have a machine instead of an animal, and they considered you rich. 
you know, everybody wants to come to my land. Can you do this and do that? But the people that had tractors in my small town was someone, somebody come and bush hog your land, call like, you know, um, Mr. Shoemaker, hey, can you come and bush hog this? And you hit, you hit a tractor coming down the road because the tires are so loud. I'm like, hey, he's here. <laughs> and, and he does it. It just, everybody stuck together. Everybody helped each other. And I'll never forget my mom was always like, take this package to Miss So-and-so. You better not open it. But all it was was like, you know, they needed some extra stuff to, you know, get by in a week. I had some extra peas or some greens. You send it up to them, you know. But even though we knew what it was, you better not open <laughs> Take this up to Miss So-and-so and she may send you something back. Like, people always take stuff to different people's houses. Beans, corn, uh, seasoning, fat back. I don't know. Yes, Do y'all call it fat back here? The meat, the, the cooking meat that you cook, like greens and stuff. Okay, well, we call it fat back. It's like a, just a salty meat. You would take it to somebody's house and they would send stuff back. The community was community. If somebody went without, it's probably your fault because people would give their last. Like, people's freezers were up to the top. And if somebody needed something or somebody lost a job, hey, take 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 all of this, you know, pickle stuff or this frozen stuff to so-and-so's house, you mm-hmm. know. No, nobody suffered. Everybody cared for, for one another. Even if you were down to your last gallon of gas, you know, if you were at the gas station, you'd help somebody with gas. I remember right before I moved here, um, it was the weirdest thing, and I don't know why, don't know why I thought about it. Um, I was getting, I was filling up uh, my gas tank, and um, I was trying to find a certain song to listen to before I pulled off. I saw this guy. He was in a truck. He was just sitting by the gas pump. I'm like, why is he just sitting? Because when I went in the store, he was sitting by the gas pump. When I came back out, he was sitting by the gas pump. And I'm like, I'm just going to ask him. He may curse me out. I'm like, hey, man, I just wonder if I could bless you with some gas. He looked at me like, the up and down look like, you know, yeah, if you want to. You know, I knew what that meant because we're proud as men. We're not going to be like, you know, if times are hard, I need some gas. So uh, I was putting some gas in his car. I just started talking to him. And he's like, um... Why are you doing this? I said, where I'm from, man, when somebody needs help, you help. If you got it, you help them. And I saw you sitting here when I went into the gas station. When I came back out of the gas station, got my gas. You were still sitting in the car when I was trying to find this particular song I wanted to listen to. And I'm like, probably real low on gas. Maybe waiting for somebody to bring some money. He said, man, I've been sitting here for about 40 minutes trying to figure out if I crank up this car, how, am I, am I going to make it to the stop sign? And I said, hey, all I, all I can say is bless somebody else, man. Because uh, we've all been there at some point in time. But I just, I just, the look on his face was just like, he was just pondering. And I I never saw the guy again, but I hope he passed, you know, passed it forward. Mm-hmm. My mom will do that a lot. She'll have just casseroles stocked up in the freezer. So if somebody has a baby yeah, or a yeah. funeral or something happens, you can just bring them and those will last you, I mean, a few yeah, meals. Yeah, you'll so. get tired of it, but you got food. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Did you all ever, um, like, freeze peas and do canned peas and stuff like that? Yes, we do can a lot of stuff. and yeah. yeah. We canned a lot of beans more than peas. Yeah, not really yeah. peas, like peaches applesauce salsa that kind of stuff yeah yeah i think we did peas green beans only only fruit that i can remember my grandmother ever doing my mother was um apple preserves or uh, blueberry preserves okay. i don't remember anything else besides that and, and and it could just be just a different cultural thing i just never saw it and muscadimes i just i never liked them but it's kind of like a country grape to us but i hated muscadimes like, <laughs> damn, that's the nastiest thing to me my mom used to do a lot of like green beans and like green stuff like that like vegetables and then there was like a break in there and then i started doing more like jams and jellies and salsa and mm-hmm. tomato product kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. We don't really can our jellies. It's more frozen. So like mulberry, peach, um, cherry, etc. Cherry, cherry was one thing I never kind of saw. And it, it, it was never a thing where we were at. It was strawberry, uh, watermelon, grapes, maybe every night, and cantaloupe. 
But it's, on, it's the only fruits I can remember because it was very popular. Um, honeydew melon. I mean, people got it because it was on sale, but nobody liked it. <laughs> <laughs> See, cherries are kind of like, cherries are usually more expensive, so they're kind of like a special treat. Like gotcha. if we go to the farmer's market and there's like a thing of cherries like for a sale when they're in season, then that's like the only time you get cherries. Yeah, I never knew what a farmer's market was until I left the, when I left the south because it was like farmer's market was every every Saturday morning after you mowed the yard. That was the farmer's market. Like <laughs> you would like you would literally whoever set their truck up first in a location that was the farmer's market. Yeah. Like whoever had the tomatoes on the back, it was like it was never like it's going to be at uh, going to be at Cowell's Corner or you know the Hunts Ranch. It was like whoever got that truck there first. That was where that was where the so-called farmers That's market the designated was. Designated area. Right. You, we didn't need Facebook for that. <laughs> well, around here, especially like when it's peak zucchini season and peak cucumber season, you just gotta you, pawn those suckers off. You, you, you no. If you leave your vehicle ding alone, dong. <laughs> don't leave it unlocked. You ding dong dash that. <laughs> Drop it off and run, and they can do it. You you keep your windows up and your doors locked, and it'll still be on the top of your head. (laughs) That is that's interesting. My grandma's a post office uh, worker in near us and so she made the mistake I think it was last year a lot of people bring food in like when they can't get rid of it they'll take it to the post office and it usually someone takes it for whatever need but she left her vehicle unlocked and she just went out and there's like four zucchinis sitting in the front seat and she's like never again am I leaving my vehicle unlocked isn't it kind of ironic that we're locking cars to keep people from putting stuff in them right. <laughs> from stealing right we, we did not lock doors like you can walk in like I think now yeah, even now my mom, where my mom stays, nobody locks their doors. It's like car doors. Like, now, the only time you locked your doors if you were like going on a week trip, but everybody knew, like, hey, watch my house. Yeah. We don't know why, but nothing's going to happen. But watching your house kind of meant, hey, can you make sure the grass don't get too high if something happens? Yeah. You know, but it was, it was amazing because I remember the first time my mom locked the door, it was by accident. I think, like, I'm going to get in the house. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I never had a key to the house. Yeah. It was always open. Uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't tell you where she lives now since I've said that. <laughs> <laughs> but do you plan on growing a garden around here? Not till I get married. I don't want to deal with it. I want. I want to buy the stuff. I want to. I want to put the you know um, fertilizer out. I want to dig the hole and be like, honey, I love you. When you get through putting the, the stuff in the hole, I'll uh, head it up. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want to take care of. It. I just. I just want somebody else to do it. I want to look at it. I want to help her pick it. I <laughs> you want to reap the benefits. I want to reap the. I want. To, I want to buy it before it's a benefit, and then pick it when it's a benefit. <laughs> it's just. I don't. I don't have the patience, and with that, I'm, I know I don't. That's why I don't have a dog. I really want a dog, but I do not want to come home and let a dog out. I just. I, I know me. Like I will be at this institution. It's amazing college from like seven thirty in the morning to seven thirty eight at night. I just. I, I love being here being with the students um teaching them about diversity. I had a young lady come in one day. She was like, what is diversity to you, Dr. O? I'm like, I said, huh? <laughs> She's like, what is it to you? So I explained to her what it was to me. And, um, you know, I said, basically, and when we got through talking, I said, hey, wh- where you come from, the school you come from, you know, she, she came from a, a small farm too. I didn't, I don't remember what she said her dad uh, had on the farm. She was like, you come from a place or an area where it's not a lot of diversity. And diversity is just basically learning about someone's background, their beliefs is different from yours. I'm like, if you can find one person to bond 
around with or just say, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so and so-and-so. Because she asked me, how do you approach somebody that's not the same color or diversity, the, the same background as you? I said, just say, hey, my name is just like a young man would approach a young lady. Hi, my name is so-and-so. You know, I'm from Nebraska. I want to learn a little bit about your culture. Could you tell me some things? Because I, you know, it's people are polite when you're polite to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll let you know about their background, uh, where they come from. Uh, I, I remember when me and Eddie first met, it was just like so then we just start talking you know it's just like you, you know you never know what to say first but if your background is different from somebody else even your your religion I know we're not supposed to talk about religion or, or politics I'm not going to do that <laughs> but if you ask them you know questions about respectfully and vice versa and listen to what they have to say and it's a hard sometimes it's hard for people to listen to what they don't care about they'll tell you they don't want to listen to the, the vice versa mm-hmm. if you listen to someone you will be surprised maybe 35% of that person to 40% is exactly the same as you you just have difference of opinion on something even when i'm having like race conversations i'm always like i always start off with let's agree to disagree in the beginning not the end because you may not agree with the person but if in the beginning we're gonna agree to disagree shake hands give hugs and go eat raisin canes or something it's so important to have those conversations though because then you understand where that person's coming from whereas usually if it's just like shut you down before you start then you don't know why they think the way they do and right. what their reasoning is and sometimes you can learn a lot from that Right, right. Because uh, I was I was talking to a young lady, I think it was like when I first moved here in December, and I was like, um, it was something she had that I remember that, oh, she had, and I thought it was the funniest thing, she had the, if, if all of you all say y'all had grandparents that did like um, quilts and stitching or something like that, you remember the scissors you couldn't touch? Mm-hmm. She had some, some, like some really shiny singer scissors, and she was cutting like uh, coupons. I was like, oh, my grandmother had some of those. And she looked at me like, what? I said, the scissors. I thought the singer scissors. She's like, yeah. She's like, are you supposed to have those? Because my grandma would never let me touch mine. She just busted out laughing. She was like, I'm not supposed to have these. (laughs) (laughs) And we started kind of talking about, you know, where I'm from, her grandmother. And, you know, we bonded over that. And it was funny. And she was just like, she literally said, I've never talked to a a black man before. She said, is black okay? I said, yeah, black is is, is okay. She said, I've never talked to a black man before that kind of knew a little bit about the same thing that went on in in my family. I was like, I'm from Mississippi, small town. And we, we talked. And she just laughed. She's just like, this has been really enlightening. You know, <laughs> that's what she said. But you never know what you can bond over. And I probably shouldn't have said that. But when I saw her her scissors, I was like, oh, my God. I remember the one time I <laughs> I took my grandmother's scissors outside to fix on my go-kart. And I thought she was going to <laughs> die. I mean, she was so angry. She couldn't get the words out. And I'm just like, I'm holding the scissors with the oil on it. She's looking at me, looking at the scissors. I'm like, I don't know what I did wrong with scissors. But she left the scissors out on, on, the, on the counter. She was cleaning them. I'm like, it's scissors. So. I'm going to, you know, cut the thing on my go-kart. And she took me home, and she was so mad. And my mom was like, what did you do? I said, Mom, I don't know. And she called my, she called my grandmother, and she was like, he got my good scissors, and he's fixing his go-kart with my scissors. And my go-kart's still at her house. But when I talked to that young lady that day, it was just like, I saw those scissors, and I saw that case. I'm like, my grandma had that same case, because as you, you do not touch the shiny scissors, they cut the fabric with them. And it's like, it's like the golden rule. You can play with the thread. You can even turn the machine on and on, but you do not touch the scissors. (laughs) Similar situations, different backgrounds, but there's something we can all bond over if you're willing to open up your mind and, you know, will to let somebody, you know, feed you some knowledge and 
vice versa. We all can get along in some kind of way, or like I say, agree to disagree at the end, but still sit down, have a meal, and just talk about life, because life goes on day to day. Everybody goes through a lot of the same things in different ways. So how you look at it, or how you want the outcomes to be. That's very similar to the approach of trying to talk about people and the issues in agriculture. I know we went to a conference and it was uh, Agnes and I sat into uh, one of the panels and it was the meatless meat debate. So Mm. trying to engage in a conversation where you are a producer and you're very into the meat industry and then trying to talk to people who, for whatever reason, they don't want to eat meat and trying to engage that conversation and where to start. And it was making that friendly remark like, oh, you have children? I have children. Or just very similar, just trying to find something in common and then go from there. Correct. Well, because you never want to start a conversation off already being defensive, right? Because you're not going to go anywhere. You're just going to start getting more and more frustrated with each other. And you also have to keep in mind that not everyone is going to change their mind, but they might take something away from it. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not necessarily going to change their mind, but both of you can still learn something from having a conversation. Yep. Yeah, conversation is key if if you're willing. Um, You have to be willing. Uh, I love hearing people's um, stories, their backgrounds. Um, When I talk to people, some some people I talk to around here, even though I wear, I mostly wear suits and ties to work every day. But when I can talk to a student about farm life and they look at me like, you definitely don't look the part. (laughs) It's it's just because I started out that way doesn't mean I ended that way. But I would love to one day own. uh, We we have 275 acres that we uh, kind of divide up between our family. But one plot is all hunting. The other one has cabins on it, and we have trees on I think 140 acres. <laughs> Pine trees, uh, I think they're coming up to maturity in another year or two. Mm-hmm. But it's all divided up because my granddad had the only pond in our neighborhood. And when you live in a rural area, and I know you all know about that, it is hard to get to the store to get fish. And he had a pond with, um, it was catfish and something else. But people would literally like, hey, you know, ask my granddad. He would always be like, all he cared was is you knocked on his door and said, hey, I'm going to go to the pond, get you a couple of fish out. Because it was, it was almost overpopulated. Mm-hmm. Um, because he didn't tend to it much. He just we went and we threw the feed in the trees and let it drop down. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that, but and but people were like, when you got tired of chicken, we got tired of beef. You come to my granddad's pond and like you know knock on his door. No matter what time of day or night, just he had the same name as me, Everett. I'm going back to the pond, get you some fish, and you know roll off. He didn't care. All he cared was if you were on his land, his property. You knock on his door and let him know you're there. That's kind of funny because we don't like fish. We kind of do it as more of a hobby than like we actually. Right. Fish. Me too, me too. But we have a couple of neighbors that have ponds, and we don't have one. So if we want to go fishing, we just text or call, like, hey, can we come over for a couple hours and go fishing? <laughs> like, and they're like, oh, sure, come on over, you know? <laughs> so. Oh, man. I remember when I got my first, like, fishing pole with the with the little cast oh, thing. Because yeah. <laughs> we did the bobbin thing forever because it was cheap. Yeah. When the first time I got one, I couldn't get it because I didn't realize you pressed it and let it go. Yeah. I kept losing... Uh, <laughs> I kept losing bait, and my uncle just finally snatched it from me and said, you're not a fisherman. Because <laughs> I just, I would hit it and just like, okay, and, and, and we just go. I didn't know you hit it, then you let it go. Because I never, I'm like, how are they doing this when it's going like 30 feet? I'm like, <laughs> so um, he's like, you're not a fisherman. He just put it back in his pocket. I'm looking like, I don't have a pole, though. He's like, he gave me the, I'm like, I don't want the bobbin pole. I want the one that goes, shh, and, and, you know. But I finally got it. Somebody finally told me, you know, he got to let it go. It's like yeah. a process. Like, click, let go. <laughs> yeah. My family and I, we go up to Canada and we fish, so we're... Oh, you're lucky. Yeah. Honestly, so lucky. We also bear hunt. Uh... Mm-mm. No, we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, in my, in my coach, we don't do that. <laughs> I'm on the same page with that. <laughs> 
but we we normally just do northern pike and then walleye and and we don't eat fish in our family but we do bring it back our limit and we give it to a couple of our family friends and they really enjoy it. but i absolutely love to fish up there it's beautiful we'll wake up before sunrise we'll go out the only time we'll come back is if if we're hungry and we didn't pack something right uh so come back for dinner and then usually take a nap and then we'll go back and then we'll come back in for supper and then even because at the point of day uh we're up there it's at the end of may and beginning of june so sometimes the sun sets later so we might go out again so like loving that for you know 10 days straight right and that's all you do and that's 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 fun it's so relaxing as i get older i really treasure fishing a lot more when i was younger it was just because everybody else was doing it but uh i only only wanted a three-wheeler because everybody had one and my dad wouldn't give me one unless i was going to hunt so i'm like yeah i'll go go hunt i just want a three-wheeler i just want a hunter one 110 three wheeler. That's all I wanted. Like, <laughs> but I, I totally can understand that the fishing fishing is, is amazing. The one in is it Yankton? Mm-hmm. People tell yeah. me to go to the one in mm-hmm. Yankton. Is that like as as nice as they say it is? It's pretty nice. They got some big fish if you can catch right. them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I, when it gets a lot warmer uh, <laughs> and the wind's not blowing at 40 miles an hour, I love to go up there to the one in Yankton and, yeah. and see that. They said it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Is that the Lewis and Clark one? What was the what was the first time that you all ever like had to slaughter live? Stock. Was that like an experience or is it terrifying? Or? I was very young because we uh, hang our own cattle and we put our own chickens and whatnot. So I was at a young age when we first did that and I don't ever remember being like scarred. So it was just, it was a very normal process because right. we raised them and then it was the cycle. We raised them from the start and they ended up feeding us. So, and at the end we had a cow calf operation and some of them we would name like steak, tiger, <laughs> Like ribs, like we just, <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> we we named one supper, and it's like, oh, we're having supper tonight. It's just it was our way of that connecting is in with poor them. taste with emotional <laughs> damage. <laughs> I guess when we butcher chickens too, so I probably started. My job was cutting the feet and the heads off. So I could mean, you really catch them? Be honest. I didn't catch them. That was not my job. <laughs> that is still not my job. Yeah, it, it's hard. Uh, now I now I do the gutting, so I draw them now. But I got promoted, and so when I was doing heads and feet, I was like, I gotta do a good job so I can get promoted. <laughs> like I was in it for the I was in it for the glory. <laughs> Just say you got it right, like, yeah, that's an experience. So my family, we've never, like, harvested our own animals. We raise goats, and we don't eat goat, so we, uh, if someone, like, comes and they want to buy it, they can do whatever they please with it. But I think my first experience, it was butchering chickens with someone from town, Mm -hmm. and I was really young, but I don't ever, like Whitney said, it was just something that you grew up knowing. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the purpose of this animal, this is what's going to happen to it, and then we're going to go and have chicken wings. (laughs) Not the same day. It's so funny, though, because, like, like, a lot of my little cousins, like, they'll come to see the baby chicks, and then they're like, well, where did they go? And so my grandpa will just go to the freezer. They're right here. So then we have baby chicky for supper, because that's what she remembers. We have baby chicken. Really? Yeah, his grandpa just opens the freezer. They're right here. They sure are groups. That that shows you though, like if, if someone's aware of it, then it's not necessarily like a, a shock. Yeah. I mean, we're upset like I'm upset if we sell a goat that, you know, I I've raised since it was a baby and now it's time for it to go somewhere else. Mm. 
I, I get upset because, you know, we put a lot of work into it. Goats are very profitable now. You don't let them get big anymore. Like, yeah. It's, it's amazing what people eat this. And then think about it. It's a city thing more than a small area thing. It's like people, they, they use goats for so many things now. The goat yoga, goat meat is more healthy. <laughs> and back in the day, it seemed like if you had a goat, people in the city, you were extremely poor. You got a goat? Yeah, you got a goat. Yeah. They were like the cleanup crew. Yeah, way, yeah, yeah. Now it's very, it, it can be profitable. Yeah. It seems like they're just a trend. Yeah. Right now it is pretty trendy because, um, you know, their milk is considered healthier and their meat is considered healthier. It's getting up there. Well, with the pandemic and everyone being at home, they're wanting to be more self-sufficient. So also making like goat soap and not having... Never heard of that one. Really? No. No, I go to to Buff City and get soap, but I've never heard of goat soap. It's goat milk (laughs) soap. Yeah. So they take the milk and turn it into soap. You've got to send me that link. I just want to try it one time just to say I have. I can bring you some up. We have some back at home. It's not going to like melt or anything. No. So it's like a hard bar of soap. It's like a bar of soap, but it's just made with goat. And it's it's very sweet smelling usually. Yeah, it's amazing. It's not going to attract ants if I leave it out. (laughs) No. No, no. It's all processed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, y'all are pretty awesome. We got to do that. I want to hear who else comes on. I always listen to podcasts, but like being on one, I, I, I see the attraction because I'm so interested to hear what you all have to say in your experiences. And I want you to hear where I'm coming from being an being African-American male in, in Nebraska. It, it's, it's amazing how some things are like different but the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm and I'm like in my early 40s. <laughs> and, and, and you young ladies are in, you're in, that, in that scope of teenage through about 24, 25. So it is amazing that we still, some of the same things we can still remember, relate to, and kind of goes in the same realm. Even, even Eddie uh, amazingly has parents that understand that he's heard about it before. But, you know, from a different from cultural standpoint, it may have been, you know, we want you to do something else type of deal, but mm-hmm. he knows quite a bit about it. Okay, I think that is all for our episode on Ag Knowledge today. Thank you again, Everett and Eddie. You can tune in next week for more Ag Knowledge. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Ag Knowledge. This podcast was created by Agnes Kurtzels, Claire Horning, and Whitney Winter as part of Radio Production Workshop at Wayne State College. Listen to KWSC 91.9 The Cat on the TuneIn app. Previous episodes can be found on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes are released on Fridays to these and other platforms. Music is Surf Day by Marcos H. Blanos, found on freemusicarchives.org. The song was edited for the use of this podcast.